Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Boyd Hilton, welcome to uh, Footballistically Arsenal, slash the Arsenal podcast. Josh is sitting opposite me. Diagonally today. Diagonally. I had straight on last week. But yeah. Diagonal view. Very today. exciting new view. Um, Ollie is here. Good evening. Uh, welcome back. When's the last time you were on, Ollie? Last season. Last season. I haven't been here for a while. What, are you gesticulating, Josh, oh, already? It's been ages. Oh, Ollie's, right, yeah. Ollie's it's been ages, yeah. of a season. Ollie Shorts, we should say. The legend, the man, the legend. We've just about seen more Cazorla this season than you. Yes. Yeah, I, it's been a long injury. My mouth has been sewn shut. But you're back just in time for some negativity. Oh, I can't wait. Such a, like David Blaine. Did you see that trick David Blaine did on his special where he sewed his mouth oh, shut? Oh, phenomenal. Yeah, uh, But weirdly, like, yeah. cringeworthy at totally the same horrible. time. Totally horrible, yeah. Yeah, yeah, watch it. It's on YouTube, Josh. And we have a newbie, John Gooden. And hello. I, as is, hello, John. As is tradition now, new tradition, I look at your um, Twitter uh, profile. That's how we're all. Yep. That's how we're all described. That's how you define now. Perfectly. Yeah. And um, you are UFC commentator, presenter, reporter, Arsenal fan, martial artist, and you conquered an Ironman triathlon. And to prove that, there's a very recent photo that you pinned uh, a video of you finishing an Ironman triathlon. Very Fucking boastful hell. of me, right? Yeah. Well, no. It's fu- if I finished, if I finished. <laughs> And that, any athlon, I put it Walking there. from the station yeah, is, is exactly. a big deal. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I do my own Ironman events, Ollie, but I don't like to talk about it. I'm not supposed to. It's also a very sizable beard in the yes, profile. Yes, I was yeah. going to mention that. Yeah, in your picture profile, you have yeah. got a hefty beard. I was so proud of that beard. Do you know how much investment went into that? The amount I spent on beard oil, yeah. grooming, yeah. overpriced cutting yeah. and shaping. Is that why you got rid of it? it no, expensive. it wasn't actually. No, the UFC said that it aged me. <sighs> And, uh, and ban, beard ban on UFC. There, there was a beard ban, and they actually presented Jesus. a photo of when I first signed. Said, "Look how young this guy looks. We want that guy back." And apparently, because I signed a thing with with image rights, it just like thrown thrown away. Wow! I had no argument. I was like, "Okay, the beard has to go." I think, but I think because your profile picture, so it's like a it's it's in profile with the full. But it's like a kind of true, true hipster look. I think. I think. Well, and we're in an appropriate place for that. Look yeah, we are. We're in a, you know, we're in a kind of East London, work and everything. Yeah, yeah, East London place. If yeah. only we'd have done this like a couple of years ago, Absolutely. I could have brought the beard <laughs> with me. More importantly, John, do you, how do you are you a season ticket holder? And where, where do you so, sit? Uh, this, is, this is where the room turns on me. No, no. Well, my work is, is pretty much weekend-based now. Oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, as my, I do have a season ticket, mm. though I have uh, let my sister have it oh. and have done for the last couple of seasons because I just wasn't, I just wasn't going enough. Right. And it became increasingly more frustrating because it's expensive. What they look like? 1,400 quid now? At least. Where, but yeah, from the Grand, certainly. Well, I was, uh, I'm yeah. East Lower. I think I'm about eight rows up on the halfway line. Yeah. I, I love that position as well. It's, it's a really great spot. When we were at Highbury, we were like a, a row behind the substitutes as well. So we used to be able to see everything that was going. Oh, cool, yeah. So, but we, we kind of flipped it. I go with my dad. Um, 
So yeah, sadly, I haven't really. Although I'm, we'll see. We'll see when I earn um, what my friend kindly terms as "fuck you" money, uh, where I can just then have disposable income. Fuck UFC money. Well, well, no, no. I, I'd obviously, love to. no. I don't mean fuck UFC. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, it's <laughs> but, a bad but pun. Fuck you, money. <laughs> That's from a terrible UFC. pun. <laughs> Apologies. Uh, but when I get there, I'll probably just have that season yes. ticket and uh, then not sell it to my sister and go when I can. And not only is your, your work weekends, it's up late at night dealing with the American... Yeah, hours. yeah, that's it. It's all pretty much geared towards that US audience, unless we're doing stuff uh, internationally, but then I would, I would be there. So again, it kind of takes me out of, of sitting in that seat, sadly. And, and who, who do you think, which Arsenal squad member do you think would be the most appropriate to uh, go and have a UFC fight, who would you? Oh, good fight. question, Josh. Who, who would you? Because well, you used to fight. Used to yeah. Fight, used to so have a who would you least like to face? In, uh, in uh, any, any thoughts, boys? Oh, I mean, it would have been Keown, of course. I think. Oh. I think Gabriel comes to mind. That's a good shout. Gabriel. Yeah, I think he's he has um, a face that you'd like to hit a little bit. Yeah, a little bit so yeah. He looks like he's probably been. Yeah, I think he's up in the ring. He does. Yeah, he does. Yeah. yeah. Or the cage, as they call yeah. cage. He may be but more reliable as well, the UFC fighter as well. The UFC, because we're not allowed to say cage anymore. Uh, it's negative connotations. No beards, no cages. These <laughs> exactly. Are the rules. Yeah. Check would be quite hard to pin down, I'd have thought. I'd yeah, go, I'd, I wouldn't want to go not, against Sanchez. Like Sanchez nasty. is a workhorse. Sanchez you know, literally run and run and run and run. You would never be able to. Or, be impossible. Well, he's, he's like a dog after a bone sometimes, isn't he? And we have obviously have weight categories, um, so you have to match it up fairly. So if you were of that size and kind of physical stature, he's a bit of a lump. And he's going to he's going he's, he's to give you. Uh, he's I've give never you heard him of... being called a lump before. But well, well, he's called for his size. I know well, what you mean. Pretty, he's yeah. A little, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is all putting off the inevitable. Yeah, sorry which is, about that. We can do the which the is. Um, I mean, you know, th- we have to talk about the inevitable decline of Arsenal in the last two games. Um, I, well, I'm going to come to you first, John. Are you? Uh, you know, this, these are two games that you know we're playing decent teams, a really good team in, in Man City. Who, you know. Why should we achieve anything away at their ground? Or are you of the opinion that the, these two games sum up everything that's wrong with Arsenal for the last 12 years <laughs> and reasons why we're not going to compete to win the league? Oh, God. Where Is do it... you lie on that scale of opinion? Well, it was all looking so good, right? Yes. And I think we were achieving results which typically we hadn't achieved in recent seasons. So it's like, could this be different? And then the that November decline didn't happen mm. but it just got put off to december apparently yeah, yeah. and it's such a dramatic shift of power as well well when you see that you've fallen so far in such a short space of time and and i was looking at it technically as well so everton it was you know just before half time so you go into the break and maybe you can readjust and go out and make a change and that didn't happen mm. but i think what's worse is when you come out after wenger's given his speech and then you concede really quickly Yes. That was interesting for me to see, okay, well, can they, can they deal with their stuff by themselves on the pitch? And, and the answer was no. Mm. Um, so we've had both sides of that. Can they deal with it themselves? No. Can Wenger <laughs> pick them back up? No. So God, God forbid what's <laughs> going to happen for the rest of the season. Ollie, I know traditionally you're fairly, uh, how can we put it, cynical about the um, talents of Le Boss. What's your feeling right now? I'm, it didn't surprise me. Nothing surprised me from the last two performances and I just thought it was about time really that all this joy was was going to come to an end because we haven't act I'm convinced we haven't been convincing at all this season I looked through and I wrote them down 
unconvincing performances. Liverpool, Leicester, Southampton, Burnley. Southampton, we won last minute. Burnley, we won last minute. Borough, Spurs, Man United, Everton and City. Only convincing performances are whole Chelsea and then West Ham, Sunderland. And we, we, I'd expect us to, to win those games anyway. Maybe Chelsea. It's just been... It's so, it's been so, it was so obvious to me what was going to happen with Everton and City. I thought it was not season-defining in the fact that you know we, it could, be, could have been March or April, but I thought to myself, if we can come away with, with good performances and a win or a draw, then there's positives. But we've been poor, I think. I think all the results, like Stylehampton and Burnley, we flattered to deceive and... We've just got to see, yeah, yeah. We've just got away with it. Mm. We improved over last season. I think that's my theory, at least. I think you know, maybe I've been deluded to do myself. But aren't we at least like last season? We're really bad. like last season. We had like a handful of games over the whole season where we played well, like a, a, attractively, and played well, and kind of came up with a, a, a score. Most of most of the games against Leicester, um, you know. But I felt like at least in the games where we weren't dominating and imposing ourselves completely and, and came over some of those. So at least we were playing, trying to play slightly more attractive football. Yeah, no? Uh, I, we we have. We, I think we have, we have played at times better. Mm. But I've, they always say, like, when you grind out the, the 1-0s at Burnley and the 2-1s against Southampton, when you make one point, three points, that's the making of champions. I, I was convinced that, actually, if we were to carry on doing that, then there's the possibility. But to be 1-0 up at against Everton to be one up against City and then to put in the performance it just shows to me that I just don't think we're there yeah. yet the, the problem was was definitely the performance rather than the results um, because we, we, was, we sat here didn't we last Thursday and we spoke about the game at Manchester City and I think I remember saying I have no idea what will happen because it, it has been so unpredictable of late and, and even Sunday it was you know you don't know what you're going to get because the first half was really good we, we, we looked you know, pretty strong going forward. We we looked like we were the ones restricting City. We were hungry, but the second half was about as bad as it's been in in a, in a really long time. And you know, Adrian Clark does the breakdown on mm. the Arsenal website. I don't know if you had a chance to watch it yet this week. But given that Arsenal's in-house media has to be understandably fairly positive, it it was pretty negative. The title I was, was I, uh, "What Went Wrong," wasn't it? It was all yeah. and and actually, it was I thought brilliantly honest. You know, Adrian Clark was getting away going. You know, he actually used the phrase, in my opinion, both goals should have stood. And yet it's funny because I just finished like catching up with Wenger doing the post-match press conference where he just sat there and moaned about the decisions. So for Arsenal to let that go out on the mm. side, not to make it sound like it's some sort of dictatorship, but I thought actually probably showed a, you know, an admission. You know, Wenger, yes, has to protect the players, so he blames yeah. the referee, but... Well, inside the club, inside the club, they he, must know that was as bad as it's been in a long time, and that's worrying. But then again, we've got these fixtures coming up. Maybe we'll win, you know, five, six, seven. We next will, we six, will. seven games. We will. I'm sure we and will. And then we'll go relevant. to Chelsea yeah, in February, and we know what will happen. That's that, the sad. So reality. even you. So this is the key, isn't it? Even you. Uh, of the so rather than this um, being people, the people, the really staunch fundamentalists well, I don't who are like any that, any boy, because I don't think we. I, I didn't think we we're going to win the league. I think we probably are. I thought you about, thought we were going to challenge. I think the we league. could challenge. challenge. I think we won't end up. We're nine points away now. I, I think we'll be closer than nine points oh, okay. right. come the end of a season. But realistically, you don't and think Alan Alga, who now. is um, often negative, actually texted me earlier today to say that should we go, um, well, with the West Brom game, one game left to 2016, mm. this will be the first year since 2006 that we haven't been beaten by a margin of three or bigger in a single game. So there hasn't been a beat. You know how we've gone to Chelsea and got smashed? Uh, okay. Anfield and been smashed. You know, all these places. 
So he was like, that's a sign of some improvement right. on the calendar year that we haven't gone and got absolutely, you know, smashed. Even, yeah. you know, we've played Barcelona, we've played, you know, some difficult yeah. games. And, yeah. Um, yeah, at one point on Sunday, I thought City might, you know, score like four in about two minutes. It was one of those, we were so pathetic. But do you think, um, we're talk, talking about what Wenger said at the end, because I think a lot of people, you know, I, I, love people, one person argued with me on Twitter saying, you know, you blame the manager all the time. Surely, you know, it's the player's fault when... They go one nil up, and they haven't got the mental strength to deal with the opposition team scoring against us, and then they completely collapse twice in two games. Basically, we've had terrible mm. second halves, haven't we? And the, and the, and this person was saying, you know, how can you blame the manager for that? But for me, it's like, well, he's entirely to blame for that because the player. We know the players are good. We know they can play really well in one half. If they're tiring for some weird reason, then that's his fault because. He's overplayed them. And all his technical stuff about, you know, the reason why he waits 17 minutes every single game is presumably because he thinks that technically is going to help them be in the red zone or not get in the red zone. All that stuff, all this technical bullshit, the reason why he does the same thing game again out. For me, it's like now pointless because we've been so terrible in two halves of football, looking completely lumbering and tired. Am I being unfair? No, I think... See, we've always looked to Wenger as this scientific method of management. And he's been apparently very forward thinking. And I can remember him being one of the real sort of pioneers for nutrition, which apparently shook everything up. And I just don't know. But then I look at the, the injury list every single season. I look at the depth of the squad. And we know, I, I can remember when there was a stat that came out saying that Arsenal players ran faster for longer than any other player. So therefore, you're going to get more injuries. And yet they, they've never developed that squad. And then I hear that they're having to completely re-engineer the, the medical side. For me, it never looked like they were program managing everything. Like, for example, and, and you guys can correct me on this, I saw on Instagram at the beginning of the season, a couple of games in, Theo Walcott, arguably one of the most injured players in the Arsenal <laughs> squad, working out with some 21-year-old celebrity fitness guy in what looked like his home. Why is he doing that? Why are Arsenal Football Club letting him even pick up a medicine ball with anyone other than their staff? I I just don't understand when you've got those kind of resources available. So you have to blame the manager in that sense, you know? So so maybe it's not quite answer I've just ranted about something slightly obscure. No, but that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. That is exactly the kind of thing I'm talking about. So I don't know whether he, you know, we think he has this handle on everything, but they clearly don't have all of these, these pieces right, despite the resources and these fantastic facilities and whatever else, it's just not, it, it's just not working. And, mm. But attitude is one. So one thing I didn't see were Arsenal players throwing themselves into challenges, picking up silly bookings or anything like that because they were dramatically pissed off, especially mm. against City, because it's just happened before. And, it, and I would have thought you would have seen some petulance, but we didn't even get that. I, I, I totally agree. What was interesting, the, the image that has stuck with me from Sunday's game was actually Sanchez on his haunches kind of looking around. I don't know if you saw the image. He's got his like, hand over his mouth, sort of staring around. And you almost think, is he just thinking, what have I done to end up with this? Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, where, yeah. where are the other 10 versions of me the, that I get to play with? the exception, isn't he? Yeah, I should have said that he, he was the one who was. He put it in No, no, shape. I mean, the, the video is, I mean, Gary Neville tore the midfielder apart in his analysis of the game in and terms the of them. as well. And then walking around when City just sort of picked passes around them. And, yeah. You know, what Ozil was, came in for a lot of criticism, didn't he? What was annoying for me, actually, I found that Tuesday's game against Everton, that, that 
more frustrating than the City game. You know what? We City were better than us. Yeah, our second half performance was shit. But when our second half performance or our all-round 90 minutes against Everton wasn't great, it still wasn't bad. And we should have had the players to make that one point into three. That's why you have world-class players. That's why you have Meza Ozil. That's why you have Alexis Sanchez. Um, and probably going through our team, every single player was better than the Everton player. But we just couldn't. We couldn't make that one point into three. And that's why I was so pissed off. I was dejected come 90 minutes because that was an opportunity that we didn't take. And we allowed Everton to go and get three points when really with the players that we've got, we should be the ones taking the scrap, taking it by the scruff of the neck and, and getting those three months. And I looked at Chelsea against West Brom on the weekend. Literally, one world-class player, Costa, gets a chance, 1-0. We didn't do that. We didn't look like we were going to do that against Everton. And that's what we need. I don't know. I think we, we, in that second half, I mean, we've we obviously done a podcast since the Everton game, but... We, we did create an opportunity where Ozil had a really good opportunity. It's all about putting it away, that it one chance. Had a chance. Yeah, I agree. But I, I think also, like, it wouldn't have been a total disaster had we got a point at Everton. And the most likely result on Sunday morning ahead of City game was we were going to lose. That was, it? was Of course, with the bookmakers. I mean, statistically, I hate to break it to well, you. Well, you've gone all Alga. What were the odds? Right, you need, I, no, no, I'm. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pr- I, I do actually. I would say like, statistically, the bookmakers probably had City's over, but I genuinely it's not looked probably. at that. Probably, I'm ta- like, so I'm just saying. Just let me. But I looked at that game. I, I, I thought we could easily win that. Of course, that was a possibility. There were three possibilities every time a football game takes place, and, and Arsenal winning that. <laughs> I mean, that's like a 25, 30 percent chance. I thought of we happening, could go to then, Manchester City. This is the first time I went to thought we could go to Manchester City and actually put two or three passes. Their form guy Did didn't you? look good. I don't yeah, think that. I really thought if we nope. could get out of them, we could. Okay. Their form guy didn't look good. Going no, to but, game. I but all and, these and big defenders teams. missing. Collar of it centre back. Yeah. There was every opportunity yeah. Arsenal could have got a result. Yeah, but this is probably the as ever with Arsenal huge overreaction to us failing to get a, probably a point that we deserved at Everton and losing a game we were probably expected to lose by most people on Sunday. But, but the mere fact and you, it is about how usual, we respond, is about how we respond in on, the next Josh. six games. You say, as usual, it's a huge overreaction. Now, the reason why you said as usual is because this happens every single season, year after year after year. So the reason why it's an overreaction is because it is so usual. So, you know, it's like, it would be an overreaction if we didn't always capitulate like this at some point in the season to, in this kind of way. And, and, and the, or if we've been competing more... for the league for the last 12 years, then fine. You wouldn't be able to say it as usual, but it is as usual. That's the fucking okay, problem. Yeah, it, it, it is as usual. And, but Arsenal fans are more—I don't know what the expression is—boo hurrah! I think uh, emotivism. Stevens is emotivism ideology about uh, we are just boo or hurrah at the moment, and it's this kind of you're with the manager, you're without the manager. And uh, you know, I don't want to reference like Arsenal fan TV and pointing them, but it, it, it's just like Im- it's sort of like everyone of my friends it's become but yeah right it's pantomime now but what came that fan division you're talking about these extremes no no but the point of Arsenal what's driven us to this point but it's other fans who now look to Arsenal for this like fan meltdown of just being completely divided forget the fact we're above Tottenham still of course. Oh, above so well, I don't, United, I don't care. But we're always Manchester above Tottenham. United. We've been above Tottenham for 20 years. <laughs> I don't look at Arsenal and say, we're above Tottenham, so everything's all rosy. Can I also just say, Arsenal Fan TV makes me so happy when we lose. <laughs> like, because <laughs> I, I get sent those videos. Do you know you should by go me. on it. Go on Arsenal. Uh, no, I'd never go I on it. I see you, I, Ollie, right? When, <laughs> when you see those people go on there, you just think, you know what? My life is okay. My life, and really, I look at it and I and I laugh. And probably you get Arsenal, um, other 
you know, Tottenham supporters, Man United supporters, Chelsea supporters, they watch this and just be like, it's such a, it's such a joke. I just want to look at it, not for a second am I knocking the channel, because I think it, it's great, well, Robbie's created is unbelievable, but I just reference it to say, that is what, you're right, Man United supporters, Tottenham, well, they all love it because of this kind of... They send it but to our, I think It's all Arsenal fans, say. and we're doing it on a smaller level with Ollie and me at the moment. We're doing it on no, a slightly another no, level. I think we're allowed to say they have after morons sometimes on, on Arsenal. Oh, passionate. Very, very, very passionate, very passionate, passionate fans. That's fine. There's some great people on there as well. I mean, I don't, you know, whatever. But I think have we're allowed to say on that. Board? No. Get you on board. Steady. <laughs> Steady. I've got this. Uh, luckily, I have a podcast. You so do. I can say what the fuck I like every week. But the reason why... This is the bigger point, isn't it? The reason why we've become... We've talked about this before, a laughing stock in this way. And the reason why Arsenal Fan TV has these extremes of emotions every single time, and the reason why everything blows up, the reason why on Five Live tonight, as we speak, they're having a discussion about Arsenal again. And Mark Pugach, the host, tweeted, in fact, saying, instead of having the same discussion that we have year in, year out, we could all just go down the pub. It's because it happens again and again and again, and it's unbelievably frustrating. So that surely, what came first, the chicken or the egg? What came first is the unbelievable frustration of the same thing happening every single year to our team, managed in the same way by the manager who does the same thing every single game. That's why we're, that's why we've ended up well, being here on the, a bunch of furious, extreme lunatics. I sat on the podcast last week and it expressed the idea that maybe Giroud should have started either the game is Everton or maybe he was an option and play Sanchez on the wing and yeah. yet I got shouted down and be like no just, we don't I go I shouted you down because I don't think Giroud is a better option you know, oh, yeah. whether it's Gibbs I'd like to see Perez getting a chance yeah. Perez maybe. I just don't want to see us resort to no, I agree the big man this. up front I, I, lumbering not, nothing indefensible I, know, I, agree. I don't know what John thinks but I think Gibbs could have had an opportunity to come in yeah, um, El Nenny, I don't think there's a huge difference if he's in that team. So it, it sure. was odd to kind of see, you know, rewind and play on the yeah. sort of same idea. Yeah. Sorry, John, before we go on and talk about that, let's have a quick break. Hello from the Geek Town Radio podcast, a show that gives you the latest TV, film and gaming news all from a UK perspective, plus the latest UK premiere dates and a ton of interviews from people such as Suits Lewis Lit, Rick Hoffman. It's crazy. The whole thing's crazy. To gaming royalty like Troy Baker and Nolan North. Would you really take a bullet from me? Uh, well, no, that's that's the acting. <laughs> from behind the scenes people such as the directors of smash hit US comedy Veep. We love Geek Town. My kids wear your t-shirts. To screen legends. Hello. Such as Mr. George Decay. Star Trekking across the universe. For all this and more, come join us on Geek Town Radio, available to download every Tuesday from your usual podcast supplier and from geektown.co.uk. We're back from the break, John. You were about to say something very crucial. Yeah, well, I don't. Well, oh, don't don't put that pressure on me. But Sorry. I guess as someone who is, I'm not as in it as you guys are. Uh, as we've established, you know, I'm away quite a bit. But I'm I'm really into sports psychology and coming from a different sport as well. I see how the mental side of the game is so important. You know, fight sports is particular, but I think it applies to, to all sports. And let's take the example of Leicester City from last year. Now. That we've mentioned world-class players and, and things of that nature. And okay, they've got some international level players there, but they are a group of individuals that maybe got lucky in injuries and a few things like that. They might not have had the depth of squad, but they must have been managed so well. Someone was speaking to way more than just that, but they must have been speaking to the, to the players' souls every single day 
every single game, sorry, to be able to go out there and achieve what they achieved. It was mm. quite remarkable. So there is absolutely no reason why any one of these top clubs can't do that. And, and I particularly love that narrative. Mm. Come, again, coming from a newer sport where there's not so much money and, and things like that, there wasn't as much money at, at Leicester to, mm. to have all of that. So... So, I think that's a good point because I think what you, I was thinking about that the other day. I was thinking if someone was saying, you know, as they always do on social media, you know, careful what you wish for that unbelievable cliche. And it's like, well, actually, you know, all of our rivals have got young, thrusting, very exciting new managers. And, or, or they've got some quite old manager who managed to somehow make Leicester win the league last year, however badly they're doing this year. And I don't, and I think all of the, and, you know, we're told well, there's no substitute for Wenger. No, no, no other manager, some people say, could get, to do better with this bunch of players, and I'm like, surely, I do what's th- happening I'm, now? Yeah, what's I'm happening with Leicester? I'm not saying particularly. I'm not saying we should suddenly get Claudio in here. I'm just saying you could get an inspirational figure because we have got a really good squad now, and give him credit for buying those players, you know, whatever, selecting the players. But I reckon there are plenty of really inspirational. Probably younger, mostly younger, thrust. You looked at. I looked at Pep on the. I thought it was so interesting on Sunday. We haven't really talked about the game very much, but. In the first half, so when we scored, I don't know if you're watching. Yeah. Yeah. So Pep was deflated massively that we scored that goal. Yeah. And he sat, he did sat there and I was thinking, oh, that's weird. Because he's usually very kind of aggressive on the bench. And he's, second half, he was unbelievable. It was almost like he'd realised how kind of passive he'd been and how passive the team had been. And he came out and he literally spent the whole of the second half cajoling his players, grabbing them every time they came near him. He, and Fanger sat there complaining to the fourth official. About offside decisions, which is what he always does now. The only time Wenger ever gets animated is when he complains to the fourth official about something, or when he complains about time wasting. He got very upset at Czech at the end of the game. He got as upset well. at Czech mm-hmm. because Czech did do that unbelievably pointless thing of passing the ball before Ozil took the extraordinary, most pointless thing I've ever seen. Fair enough. He got angry about that, but I just sit there looking at Wenger in that situation. He makes his 65th minute substitution moment, and you think. There's loads of managers that could be more inspirational than him. And that's sometimes inspiration is what you need. When you're a a young athlete, um, as successful or, you know, new to the game as you might be, when you're up against it, you're looking around at your colleagues um, and those managerial figures. So you can't tell me that they're not looking over at that bench when they've missed a pass or something uh, and just seeing what the reaction's like. Yeah. So if if everyone there is dreary and and it's negative and all the, that is then just going to filter out. Yeah. So you're right. It's uh, it, it's interesting, but he, Wenger always talks about the spirit and the mental, mental side of the strength. game. But I, mean, I, it's I, a joke, isn't it? I mean, it's, I think it, it's comical how he talks about mental strength. But he's done he said really it again. Good, yeah, after the game. he did. He dared to see you said how strong we were. So the, the interviewer asked him. He said, "Because because the interviewer said to him, do you think they were mentally strong?'" And he kind of went, "Yeah, that's not the problem." I thought, well, he also really? defended the performance, which was surprising. Yeah, I mean, that in, was incredible. In the, I, I, I didn't watch, actually, I couldn't, but as soon as the game was over, I stopped watching the Sky coverage, but mm. I watched the press conference with yeah. the, the written press that they put on the website. And he defended the performance. He, he did, said the disappointment of that we've had a horrible week and we put in, you know, two good... He, I think he said, you know, he was happy with the two performances and we've got no points. And you're kind of like... Yeah, he said physically... Well, if we, nothing else, you should not be happy I tell you, He said physically we dropped off a little bit. A little bit to, I mean, in the second half. I the thought, if that's a was, fucking little drop-off for you, you are, you've cl- <laughs> we, absolutely lost it. We were not going to score. That game could have gone on another half, half. We were not yeah. going to score. Ollie, do you think it matters? This is what other people say, what the manager says in these situations. Because I thought, you know, that the whole blaming the referee thing... I mean, I thought the first... We haven't discussed them. I thought the first goal was offside. I mean... 
tiny, slight, I mean, last night it was on Match Day 2 and they showed, it seemed, they, they all said it was offside. Yeah. The second goal just wasn't offside, not with the new rule, it just wasn't. And, um, but despite that, for him to, for them to do that as the kind of deflecting thing and not, he, you can criticise your players as a unit. You know, we're not saying we need him to criticise them individually, but he could have said how, you know, he could have said something about that late second half performance criticism, giving them a kick up the backside. Do you he think did, it matters? He just never does it anyway. We've been, how long has he been with us for? You know, 20 years and he just doesn't do it. And that's what we are used to. We're also used to the fact that he sits on the bench and for the first 10 years of, of, of his, his time at Arsenal, we were quite happy for him to, to sit on the bench and not be animated on the touchline because things were going well. The minute that things go badly, you're like, why isn't he getting off the bench? Why isn't he shouting at the players? That's just not Arsene Style. Wenger. Mm. And that's what, as supporters, we have to accept. When it goes well, he can sit on the bench, he can do what the hell he wants. When it's not going well, oh, he must get up. But actually, no, he doesn't because that's what he does. And the players know it, and the supporters, we know it. it but it uh, is yeah. frustrating, because I think my we get is, so animated, so why shouldn't he? No, my point is not my point, though, is that his shtick, which is to sit there on the bench and be very passive, and to not to not criticise the players, and to make 70th-minute substitutions, and to stick with the same team week after week after week, for whatever reason, that shtick has become... It has has gone. It's become stale. It's worn out. It's use. It's That's boring. my point. So, my, from, so what I'm saying is, it's not enough anymore to say, yeah, he's been the same for 20 years, which you're right, he has. But it was working when it was working because he had another shtick as well. He had he had better players. He didn't have Giroud as the backup option. He, you know, he just it, it just had a better team and a better squad, and they were. They had more leaders. To use that old cliche, who were self motivating, weren't they? So for whatever reason. He didn't need to. He relied on other aspects of his managership. Whereas I think now, for me, the problem is there isn't anything. He's not, you know. I mean, I'm not saying he's a a bad manager. I'm saying there all those elements of of his manager managerial style are a problem now because I think the players are just too used to it. I think also is he's he has protected his clan of players quite and he's always stuck with that but we're in a different age now to when he first joined the football club and social media and the way that you can connect with these players and have influence over what's going on and and just that overbearingness that that fans you know of the club and against the club can bring sometimes you have to change that up so the manager needs media media training as well and he hasn't really changed the way that he goes about it can you imagine if they said to him can you do some media training no you have to be I'm not actually supporting what he said, but I think sometimes you've got to be aware that, you know, if you keep doing this, you're not protecting the guys because people see through it and they're going to get it. And that was almost very similar to the point maybe I was trying to make earlier about how on the website, allowing Adrian Clark to be relatively negative and and honest and brilliant assessment as always that that piece of content they put out is. It was, that's what I thought, maybe there is an acceptance here that what the manager is saying is not really reality and our fans do not want to constantly hear it was the referee's fault, and I'm yeah. happy with the performance. They want to hear, well, Coquelin didn't do brilliantly and that. Bellerin's let a man in behind, so he's got, you know, they want to see a bit of criticism. You know, we, yeah. we, we can I'd take like, it. Uh, and I think that's good, and maybe yeah. that is the same time. On the flip side, the journalists love Wenger because on, when he does those Friday morning press conferences, 
without fail, they can talk to him about anything, whether it's politics, involvement in football, you know. But he gets touchy, though. You're right, of course, but he still gets... But, yeah, he doesn't want criticism. He gets touchy when, he he get, he gets yeah. when he's You're asked right. about the Ozil-Sanchez um, thing now. Do you see, it, it was reported um, in the last press conference when he was asked about it, he said to, his, to, to the poor PR manager, why are you letting them ask this question again and again? He actually said to her. And I think that's really unfair. It's not, it's not the PR manager's fault that this is an issue. It's, it's an issue. And I also see question. fans because he complained about um, football journalists going on about it a lot, but it's a huge issue whether we re- how or well if we resign those. Yeah, it's Sanchez. a massive statement from the club. You it's going to be a huge issue until we do resign them or they leave. And it's a shame it's both at the same time. Yeah. for the club yeah. because it makes it more. Yeah. Of a, it's their fault. I mean, so got- I'm. I think if the, you have to get if it's one of them, you keep Sanchez. In, and yeah, I agree. With he you. signed his mother to play for Arsenal to keep him. There. That's what he wants. Did you they, do I, whatever I, you need. Did anyone see? You know, Chaz Nuki Burn, who's been on this podcast, who's yes, very. Yeah, we have to get him back in the new year. Yeah, we will. But he's, he's always been rather critical of, of Sanchez, right? And he tweeted this. I meant to mention it earlier. Alexis's pompous look at me, I'm the only one who cares shtick, is transparent, yet people fall for it. He is the Brexit slash Trump of football. Great. I mean, it, it, first of all, he's that is ridiculous, and he's just trying to get a, a rise from people. No, no, well, well, I think that's unfair. He, he genuinely does, has always been critical of Sanchez. I think he, he definitely has always thought Sanchez is a, a, show, a kind of individualist and not a team. You know, man. One, I, and he's not here to defend himself but I thought it was an interesting point of view yeah, carry on well, one of the things Oza is a phenomenal player and I just I look back at the, the Stoke goal when I think probably 60,000 people in that stadium were just like take it down on your chest and shoot and he went and headed it over the keeper yeah. and that is what makes a player world class in, in my opinion the fact that he can go and do something that no one else could ever think of or imagine I don't know if anyone else thought Head the ball. I certainly did. Oh, God, no. Um, it was incredible, yeah. And it was amazing what he does. But then there's the other side of Ozil, which is so frustrating. The, the Ozil who doesn't mark Ashley Williams and ducks. The Ozil walking around the pitch in the second half. That, that, that's so frustrating. And for me, Sanchez, he just, he just runs and runs and runs. And, 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 he, and he's scoring, he's assisting, he's, he's doing everything that you could ask for. Of yeah. our main I think man. he probably is a bit of an individualist, but I think it's fine when you're that good and when you're working that hard. I think you can be. He's still, he, he's still, a, you know, plays. He's got. Oh, I don't know how many assists he's got this season, but he seems to be fairly active in a lot of the goals at score. I mean, he set up uh, Walcott really nicely. It's, yeah, that's true. He, he yeah. does add value in that yeah. sense. I think he's. Yeah, I yeah, think his work rate is like no other player we've had in a long time. No, he causes chaos, doesn't he? Just that his Absolutely, presence yeah. causes chaos. Yeah, we've got goals this season from him just hunting down defenders who have forced him to yeah. make mistakes. You wrote a very good in your in your um, menu, Josh. You wrote a very good thing about how, um, given it's our final podcast of the year, yes, we could take time to look back on the best games and worst games of the year. We haven't got that much time left, though. But I mean, you mentioned best games of 2016: West Ham one, Arsenal five, six nil, Ludogorets. 3 0 against Chelsea. Were they the ones you wrote down in your post it now? Because I've gone back to the oh, calendar year. Calendar year. Meh performances. Yeah. yeah. And but interestingly, performances. my point is you came up with three in the best game, you came up with one, two, three, five in the worst game. Yeah, I'd admit that. Yeah. Chelsea, yeah, Barcelona, Swansea, City, Man United. Those. Yeah, I, th- I think, and I don't know which one you want to pick out. It, it, you know, obviously losing to Man United away in, in terms of. You know, the last 20 years has not been an uncommon result. You know, it was more the manner of going there when we still had just beaten Leicester and hoped that the title might be on in February and losing to those goals from Rashford. The Swansea defeat at home was a horrible night. It was at, that at five the days. It was the 3-2 at Old Trafford and the 2-1 at... 
Losing one nil at home to Chelsea last year when we went down to ten men. Quite yeah, I mean there, was, there were some there were some horrible. When to put that? That's the whole thing with Arsenal. When you need it, when you need that result, that it was we'd had a poor run but and you'd we played say Chelsea. When we beat Chelsea at home this this season of uh, in the last you know few months, that was a result where we need a result and we got it. We did but get a three nil win. Once in a blue moon. And that and that's a frustration when we needed Good to, get to one be. Over them though, wasn't it? Uh, lovely, but when we <laughs> yeah. when we really needed to go and get the result at Old Trafford, as you say, beat Leicester. Leicester scored a 90th minute winner that weekend, and then we played against the worst Manchester United team in the last decade, and we put that performance in. And you really, really need it. They just don't seem to deliver when you just want it. Mm, the most. A little bit. We should have had best bean burger of 2016 for you. You, well, I'm interested like, in this because I'm yeah. a vegan. So oh, I it, yeah. Oh. Do you know if it's because sometimes they do egg products in those? things No, I think it is vegan. I think it's vegan. Oh, I'm very excited. So I don't normally eat. Are you conversing with Delaware on Twitter? I believe I tweeted at Delaware. Did you North UK trying to suggest oh. that maybe they would want yeah, to sponsor yeah, yeah. us or give us some free no. bean burgers? No, didn't reply. Not interested. No. Um, oh, I'm glad. If, you if anyone listening knows anyone, I'm just glad. Yes, in their team in the Delaware, either Arsenal podcast or me. I tell you, here's a funny thing. I've to mention about the system. Did I, I don't think I did mention it. First of all, I'm going to investigate the vegan issue. Thank you. There's, I'm glad there's another level. Is it though upstairs? Can you only get yeah, it upstairs? Club level. Or... club level situation, yeah. Maybe a boy I will invite you. Whether it's vegan anyway. Maybe I just kind of reach up. And yeah. Yeah. Just parachute one. One I could down buy an extra one for the extravagant like 12 quid or whatever the that's, fuck it costs. That's uh, very uh, kind. Yeah. <laughs> um, and throw it down to you. Um, but the interesting thing is, so you pay in a, at, the, at the kind of drinks bar area right for the foods so you have to order the food first you get a little thing and then you take it to the counter and they give you the food and they ran out last time I went I went with my mate dad and they ran out of what he paid for at the bar they didn't have the food he wanted when he got to the food area so it's it was a ridiculous system yeah so he couldn't then he had to run around the whole fucking stadium trying to find something to eat it's a preposterous system so they have a system where they don't know if they've got the food you want when you buy it well, at least How you got your, your bean burger. Yeah. It is the most well, no one. It's only me who gets. The, I think I'm the only person in the whole couple that gets the bean burger because it's always a little bit like lukewarm, you know. Not anyway. We're running out of time, John. <laughs> Can't talk about the bean burgers all night because we've got a lot of games to predict. Because when we're back, we've got like have we got like three games to predict? Probably. I mean, I I, I'm not sure we've even confirmed exactly when we're back, haven't we? Oh, well, it's definitely not back before. We're not going to be back before the second of January, are we? Absolutely not. So we have got or third, which is the Tuesday, because mm. we've Bournemouth. got which is so. Bournemouth. So we've got Arsenal v West Brom on Boxing Day. Is everyone going to that? Yes. Yeah. Arsenal Palace on New Year's Day, and yep. then um, Bournemouth on the third. So, John, I'm going to start with you. Triple prediction time. Triple prediction. Yeah, you have to predict all you those three games. First of and all, not only you got to do yeah, scores. on the exact score. You can't just say who's going to win. So we've yeah. got West Brom at home. West Brom at home. Two 0 Arsenal. Good. Palace at home. Two one. And then Bournemouth away. Oh, that could be dodgy. That one. I don't know why I think it could be, but I reckon we, um, one all. Seven points. Not bad. Paul, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go for, um, I'm going to go 3-1 West Brom on Boxing Day. That's good, you're positive again, good. It got to be fucking West Brom, haven't you? I mean, at home. Um, then I'm going to say, um, I'm going to say like one all against Palace, that's going to be the right. real downer. Okay. The real downer. And Bournemouth. And Bournemouth, I think we'll win there, yeah, like 2-1. Right, so yeah. seven points from you as well? Yeah, seven points from me, yeah. Oliver? Nine points, 3-1 every single game. <laughs> Pure. We don't I think, we'll win, I think we'll win the two home games 
uh, probably about two 0 and then I think we'll draw one all our group, John. I think or, we will. I think we'll win six out of six before we play Chelsea. Well, yeah, that, that might be, happen. Uh, happen yeah. It'd be, be nice to have a clean sheet, isn't it? So Czech's about to. He's broken the record for the not having a clean sheet in like loads and loads it's of games. Really. He can't do clean sheets. Yeah. You can't. And say what about penalties. Christmas, boy? Uh, what are the plans over next week? Is a time of work. Uh, I'm working a week, Josh. Oh, sorry. Yeah, to, uh, it's fine. Work you hard at uh, So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Christmas Eve, I'll be off. I'll be uh, yeah, feet up. Very good. And John. Um, yeah, a few bits filming a show tomorrow, and then a little bit of time off. Then I'm off to. I'm off to Iceland in a new year, actually. I'm taking my dad away oh, for lovely. 60. Iceland's lovely. tremendous. I went this time last year. Oh, right, nice. Okay, I need to wrap up warm. Yes, I'll, let's, I'll let's speak. Are you going to rage it? Yes, yeah. Tremendous. How did you pronounce it? How should I be pronounced? Reykjavik. Reykjavik. I'm Reykjavik. I didn't know you well enough to pull you I didn't mean to pick you out. Sorry. Sorry to all I said. It struck me that maybe I thought was pronouncing it wrong. No. And Oliver? I'm just... Feet up, watching football. You're all Jew. Do you have Jumas? Do you have like, you know, I mean, I'm a Jew as well, but yeah. I always tell you about Christmas. Christmas. Um, Do you mean, ignore Christmas? Hanukkah starts Saturday night. Does it? Yeah. Oh. I so, will, I'll, yeah, I'll be yeah, lighting the Lighting some candles. Lighting I will menorahs. probably be doing nothing, but my missus will say that she likes it, so we'll do what, something. Some, some Hanukkah or yeah, Christmas? Both. Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Yeah. I, I've got to give a small, tiny plug, which is that go for it. Play With a Legend has got a Christmas song, which we're going to put out tomorrow. What? If you love like retro footballers' names being rewritten into the word of a Christmas song. <laughs> is it a Christmas song? <laughs> then find play, find Who's play With a Legend on the song? Are you on the song? Uh, I'm not on the song, no. God, no, I can't sing. But it, it's, can it's, you give us an... Who are these players that can sing? No, it's not been sung by a uh, footballer. Oh, OK. You'll, you'll see what I mean, because I'm going to make sure you retweet it, boy, certainly okay. tomorrow. Right. Um, so that's exciting. What, who's um, singing it, then? Just A girl called Jen. Oh, girl a, called a Jen. girl called Jen. A girl called Jen. It's very intriguing. Is that the name of her act, a girl called uh, Jen? No, her name's Jen yeah. Armstrong. She's great okay. from okay. Leeds. If you ever need a singer available to sing a song you've written, I recommend her strongly. <laughs> I don't have any plans, um, but... Who is the most obscure player you've got in the song? That's what you want. song... Um, John Eustace, I'd say. John Eustace from the Coventry City. Another footballer. interesting We're being pronunciation. Thrown out. We're being thrown out. Um, um, I just want to say Happy Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy New Year to all of Kwanzaa. our listeners. Happy Kwanzaa. Oh, yeah, and that. And, um, uh, happy holidays the? from happy my holi- American friends, they say Thank that all you. the time. Yeah, and what's the one in Seinfeld? What was the, what was the, um, was anyone watching Seinfeld? It was the special made up holiday. I forgot what it was. Uh, and thanks, Josh, for your hard work. And to you, boy, for yours. And we'll try and get that book to that guy who won it. And thanks to Ollie and thanks to John for joining us. Thank you very much. And we'll be back sometime in the new year. See you in 2017. Bye. If you like this podcast, come and join me, Mark Webster, for the Whistleblowers, a weekly show that looks at the topics that all football fans are discussing this week at thewhistleblowers.net. And it happens to be brought to you by the same lot that produced this one. Sports Social Podcast Network.